Hallelujah. Shall we begin to say something to the Lord? You want to bless His name. Thank Him for this opportunity of life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for life. Thank you. You are our breath. You are our life. You are our essence. You are our righteousness. You said that he has made him unto us. Wisdom and righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For who you are. And for what you have made us in you. We thank you for the gift of righteousness. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. We bless you, O God. We don't take it for granted at all that we are alive this morning. We say thank you for when you consider your grace. Our natural response is thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You want to pray that God opens up your heart for you to receive the word. So that but receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. That means that arrogance and pride inhibit the entrance of the word of God in a person's heart. And hence the fruitfulness of the word thereof. You want to pray that God, I humble myself in the name of Jesus. As your word comes, I know that the word may pierce one of my characters, one of my bad characters. But I pray in the name of Jesus that instead of me to resist the word, grant me the spirit of humility to accept the truth of your word, that I may change. Because it's only by reception of your word that there is salvation of our souls. In the name of you, want to pray, God, grant me the grace to receive. In the name of Jesus, grant me the grace to understand your word. Grant me the grace, most importantly, to apply the principles in my life. That when I leave this place, there will be a change. There will be a transformation. Oh, when I leave this place, my life begins to move from one degree of glory to the other. In the name of Jesus, I leave this place as a light. I leave this place, oh God. Master Talaba, hey, as your ambassador, I leave this place. Adequately representing you wherever I find myself. I leave this place as the salt of this world. I leave this place as the light. I leave this place as a city that is set upon the hill. In the name of Jesus, Paul said, My little children, of whom I travail again in Beth, until Christ be formed in you. Hey, Katalaba, we are all striving to achieve Christ-likeness. We are all striving. We are all helping one another that we may become Christ on earth. That is why we are here to help one another to fellowship. Oh God, Master Talaba, that we leave this place as people who are useful in the kingdom of God. That we leave this place as people who God will be proud of. That is why we are here this morning. We are here this morning to receive the word that will change us. Oh, David said, how shall a young man keep his ways pure except he heeds your words? Rashata. By the time came, that Peter said that as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that he may grow thereby. And Paul came and he said that anyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even them that by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Paul said, For when I came unto you, I came not with the excellency of spirit. But I came unto you, declaring unto you, with the power of God, that your faith might not be built on the wisdom of men, but rather in the power of God. He said in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 2, that how be it, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world. I came to speak unto you, celestial wisdom, eternal wisdom of God. He said that wisdom, this wisdom is not from men. It is an eternal wisdom. It is celestial wisdom. It is the kind of wisdom that will make your life work. It's the kind of wisdom that will take you into the trajectory that God has prepared for you before the foundations of the world. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Shall we take our seats? Thank you, Jesus. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew 25. Verse 14 downwards. 
says that for the kingdom of heaven, of course, um, I, I don't have time to explain why he used the kingdom of heaven, but not kingdom of God. But let's move on. It's as a man traveling into a far country who called his own, I want you to, I'll emphasize some of the words, his own servants, his own servants, and delivered unto him his goods, his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to the other one. And to every man, a very important statement over there, according to his several ability. I want you to understand that the gifts were given according to their abilities. So that is to say that the master knew the individual abilities of his servants. Very important concept. And straightway, he took his journey. He didn't tell us how long this journey was going to be or when he was returning. The 16th of Matthew 25. Then he that had received the five talents went and treated with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. Verse 18. But he that, but, I like that word, but, he that had received one, of course, the master knew why he gave that person one. It was according to his ability. He knew him. Went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Verse 19. After a long time, we don't know. This would be one of the gaps, what is called the gap period in, in the Bible. Okay? We don't know how long that is. After a long time, the Lord of those servants, you know, come in then, the word, recon it. Recon, accountability. There is a day of reckoning. With them, verse 20. So he that had received five talents came and brought forth other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents, and behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Verse 22. And he that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside the Lord. Verse 23. The Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Verse 24. Then he that had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I have... I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. Verse 25. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast. That is thine. Verse 26. And the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Verse 27. Thou ought Ought therefore to have put my money in to the exchanges, and then at my coming I should have received my own with you know interest. So, yeah, verse twenty eight Take therefore the talents from him and give it to him which hath ten talents. For unto him that hath you know shall be given. No, for unto everyone that hath shall be given. He shall have abundance, but unto him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he has. Verse thirty. And cast ye the unprofitable servants into the outer darkness, where there shall be weeping of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Of course, if you are an old person and you don't have teeth, there will be gnashing of gum. Hallelujah. I want you to look to the person sitting next to you and say fruitfulness in, the serv- in service to God and man. Then look at the other person as if you are angry with them and say, I'll be fruitful unto God. And I will serve my generation. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to begin by making some introductory remarks. And I'm going to take my time to teach this thing very well. So that you understand life. Okay? So, this is not... I'm not here to give you deep things. I'm here to open your eyes to things that are around you. But maybe you might not have taken them into... I mean, notice of them. Now, the first statement that I'm going to make is that your concepts of God is very important because it influences your whole, if I use the big term, your whole anthropological estate. That means that how you conceptualize God 
your, you know, the way you think about God hmm, influences every aspect of your life. That's what I'm trying to say. So a person's concepts or how a person conceptualizes God determines or influences the person's whole anthropological ethics. That means that when I see the way you are living your, your life, it tells me an idea of the kind of God that you have in your mind. It's a principle and it's a fact. Hallelujah. Amen. So, works then becomes a manifestation of a person's faith. So, your works, that means what you do, just tells me about your level of faith. If this is so, then this will solve the arguments between James and Paul, as we see. Some teachers think that Paul is in favor of grace, and other people think that James is in favor of works. If then faith, or works rather, is a manifestation of a person's faith, then when you bring the diversities of grace and works into proximity, then we know that the two works and faith are essentially two sides of the same coin. So, works then becomes a manifestation of your faith. That's why James will say that faith without works is what? Is dead. So, your works tell, tell, I mean, gives me an idea of your faith. Simple, that's what I'm trying to say. So, once again, I will repeat here that don't tell us that you have faith, you have faith, don't tell us. Right? Let us see your work. Hallelujah. That's it. Put on your status every morning. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse. If you have faith in God, it will be manifested in your way. Hallelujah. That's a very important statement. So, it becomes important to understand that the concept of God you build is very important. Now, who is God? Okay, if I ask you, who is God? You know, what, what are the ideas of God you have? You get it. That, that's your concept, or what is called conceptualization of God. And you, you, you form that concept. You see, one of the problems I have seen in the church is that, most often than not, the concept of God we have was passed on from our parents to us. So we have not really sat down to think about God intellectually. Okay? We were children, we were going to Sunday school, and then, you know, we are here. They've been telling us about God, God, God. So, right? But... If you don't really have your own self-built concept of God, which, if I should use another big term, is idiosyncratic. That means it is individual. You get it? No matter, you know, um, how do you call it, the amount of God you know, or the knowledge of God you know, okay, my concept of God is always different from yours. That's it. And that's the truth. Okay? And God allows that. God allows people to have different conceptualization of him because God is spirit. Okay, let's say if I am physical, right, then you can all describe me and then you have an exact answer. Right? I'm wearing, if you tell me I'm wearing this or I'm wearing a watch, everybody can see. But here is a case where there is God who is spirit. Do you get it? We cannot, how do you call it? Um, perceived God by our sensual perception. I think I, I explained that the other time. You can't see him, you can't taste him, you can't, you know, feel him. So the only way to understand God is by faith. So, maybe the kind of life that you have lived has given you a certain image of God, a certain concept of God. And it's peculiar to you. Do you get it? And I also have my own concept of God and that is peculiar to me. Okay, let's see. I can come and teach about healing. The healing power of God. Maybe I've, I've never been sick before. You get it? But if you, you have been sick before and you have received the healing of God, then it is different from me that I'm trying to teach. You have really experienced it. So your belief in God as a healer is different from mine. Do you understand? So that's what I'm saying. That your relationship with God and your experiences with God gives you a certain kind of picture or image about God, which I, in my wildest imagination, We'll never have. So as we are growing up, we are all building our concept of God. And I, I have said that the concept of God that you have built is that which will determine how you do your things. Hallelujah. Okay. So let's build up the thesis. These, these are, I'm not, I've not started the, the sermon. This is just introductory remarks. 
So today, I'm coming to, you know, as I always say, give a lecture on how to intelligibly create your own concept of God. Now, the first question that I, I want to ask is that the question of God comes to play when you want to find out who created the world. You see, most of you are not, we try to sweep some of these fundamental questions under the carpet. But it will always come. If you don't believe in God, then you should provide us an answer of how the universe came into being. Are you getting it? You can come and argue. Big Bang Theory, right? But that one, I'll, I'll show you that you don't know much physics. Because I have never seen any explosion that has led to orderliness. Explosion always increases entropy, the state of this orderliness. So, I don't know, maybe you go to China, there was a bomb explosion. Did you see order? <laughs> Hallelujah. If there was a big bang, like, where is this, like, where, what started this? Of course, I'll not be so excited with this because I know the counter argument. They will say that, you two, where did your God come from? Then we are all stuck. Hallelujah. Then I will defend myself. That if you are asking me where my God comes from, then that means you, you don't understand my God. Because per definition, my God is eternal. Then they will also say that per our definition, the world is eternal. Then I will tell them that you are wrong. Because of the redshift phenomenon. So, you have to be excited. Okay? You know, going by the day that we are afraid that science is proving that there is no God. Do you get it? You have to be confident that God exists. Hallelujah. That is the fundament. You see, if you don't get this right, eh, you see, you leave the Christianity in hell. I'm building it up little by little. You have, to, you have to believe that God exists. Once, once that is clear in your mind, because if you don't believe God exists, then tell us who created this. Do, do, you, do you get it? If you don't have any explanation, then God is real. Then there is a statement that I'm going to make that far more important than God's reality to a Christian is your response to his reality. It's not about you knowing that God is real. And so what? What has it done in your life? What is your response to God's reality? Hallelujah. Yes. So, every Christian over here, you have to be settled in your spirit of God's existence. Do you, do you get that point? You have to be settled in your spirit that God exists. If God exists, then the question is, what is my response towards God? Another implication of God's existence then it's purpose. Hallelujah. Because if then God is the creator and he exists and he's intelligent, then of course, he's not therefore going to create before he assigns purpose. But he would, if he would ultimately have a purpose in his mind before he creates. Hallelujah. So for every designer, for every um, creator, for anyone who is designing something, whether an engineer or something, they always have, first of all, a problem. Then secondly, they design or they have a plan or purpose to, um, how do you call it, to target that program, I mean, problem, okay? Before they eventually create the phone or the tablet. It's not like they created the phone and the tablet and they say, okay, make calls. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because, because, you know, there's a problem over there. There's a communication issue. Then you want to fix it. So you then have to go back to your physics and then you, you think about it. And then, okay, let's do this and this and that. Then now, you design the phone and you put inside the phone the ability to perform that function. Therefore, if you believe that God exists, then you have inextricably associated yourself in believing in purpose. Good. I'm building it up. One day I was having a, an argument with an atheist, and I asked him that, so do you believe in purpose? An atheist can never believe in purpose, because the, the, the world was random. So the person said, I don't believe in purpose, I believe that. You come, you know, you are born, and then you make life make sense to you. <laughs> ah, but as a Christian, you don't believe this. Hallelujah. So for a Christian to believe in God, and not to believe in purpose, implies that that Christian is confused. Hallelujah. So, the concept of purpose comes to play when you, anytime you think of a creator. So, of course, this then will agree with Jeremiah 
when he, I mean, I mean, in Jeremiah one five, when God told Jeremiah that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. That is to say that Jeremiah's purpose antedated his conception. Or the purpose of Jeremiah, okay, God had the purpose of Jeremiah long before Jeremiah himself was born. (laughs) Hallelujah. So your purpose is eternal. You see, your purpose is, is, is bigger than you. Do you get it? It's older than you. Your purpose is God's purpose, which He has just assigned to you to come and fulfill on it. Hallelujah. Because He said, before, before you were born, I knew you. Before you were born, I already had a, a purpose for you, assignment for you. So when you came into this life, it's not now that you are coming into this life to, you know, to find out, hey, what can I do? Which talent do I have? Hey, me, I can sing. Hey, so I have to be a musician. You know, hey, there's money in this thing. You know. So, hey, my mother told me to buy the medical school forms and I bought it too. So now I'm a doctor. I'll come there. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have to understand that our, our purposes, therefore, um, <clears throat> antedate or precede even our conception. So, life then can be very, very simple. Life is very, very simple. Okay? We can summarize life as. One, identifying your purpose. Two, preparing yourself well for it. And three, executing it. Simple. That is life. So what you should, you should be chasing in life is not a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Hallelujah. That one is for creature comfort. <laughs> creature comfort. Hallelujah. Ah. Oh, why not? <laughs> Those of you, the purpose of your life who ha! It's to marry. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> like, your whole world, eh? Like, hey! But what you should be chasing is find your purpose. Find, find that purpose. Find it. Once you find it, eh, all other things will just fall in place for you. Now you start chasing other things. I'll come there. Hallelujah. So the, the aim of this, I've summarized life for you. Find your purpose. And I didn't say, after you find it, you execute it. After you find it, you have to prepare yourself. Then you execute your assignments. Hallelujah. So, um, for those who do not believe in any creature or any being, for them life is purposeless and meaningless. Okay, so you have to give life meaning. So for them, the vision of their life then becomes, you know, fulfilling this purpose that they have created for themselves, accumulating resources and enjoying life. So anyone that does not believe in God, now if I say believe in God, <clears throat> I am saying that I'm going to describe something. If you fall within that category, you don't believe in God. That's why it's what you are saying. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm saying that if the aim of your life eh, is to one, define goals for yourself. Two, accumulate riches. And three, enjoyment. <laughs> then you don't believe in God. You can be here praying and what? You don't believe in That is the truth. You don't believe in God. You see, this, this is what it's called. I'm building a thesis, right? We are building on premise upon premise. So I started by the concept of believing in God. So you are building on. But if you believe in God, then you believe in the creator. Then you believe in purpose. Then you understand that you are here for a purpose. So you find that purpose, you prepare yourself for it, and you execute that purpose. But if you come here, and you are just, you know, trying to, you don't even know your purpose, you have defined your own purpose for yourself, and then you, the aim of your life is to make money, make money, make money, and enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Then, it means you don't believe in God. Secondly, if you have no reverence for a supreme being, okay, then you are selfish, in that you are always thinking about how you would make it in life, accumulate resources, and enjoy. And that is why some people don't even mind killing other people just to gain the resources that they need. This is why, this is what when you read Matthew chapter 6, now Jesus was described as being single eyed or having an evil eye. Evil eye means that you are having a vision, okay, for your life, and that vision is not equivalent to God's purpose for your life. That's an evil eye. So you don't mind. Can you, can you imagine someone will kill someone just to make money? 
You, are you getting it? Why? Because that's the aim of their life. So the aim of their life is to make riches. So they don't mind whatever they do. Do you get it? So that means they don't have reverence for a supreme being. Now the last thing that I will say, as you know, I move on is, is that <clears throat> anyone who has a reverence for okay, last verse, anyone who has a reverence for a supreme being understands that there is a time of accountability. And it is this accountability which then makes them yearn and strive in life to attain or fulfill the purpose. Because there is a day of reckoning. Hallelujah. So then I'll end the, the introductory statement by distinguishing the difference between a, pe- a person's purpose and a person's profession. Hey! <laughs> One mistake that a lot of people make is that their entire life is about their profession. Okay? So they do everything to flourish their profession at the expense of their purpose. As, as I said, let me give the difference between your profession. So that, so that you are aware that in as much as we are all chasing our profession, sir, you should, in addition, also be what? Finding your purpose and fulfilling it. Or else, if no one teaches you this, you just, be there, you just grow up and become a doctor, you become a nurse, you become whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, maybe a taxi driver. What, whatever you want to be in life. You become who? Then you are flourishing in that regard. And then you are suffocating your purpose. So, Jesus was a carpenter. He had a purpose. Paul was a tent maker. He had a purpose. David was a shepherd. He had a purpose. You are a doctor. You are a nurse. You are... Let me see. You are allied scientist, right? The question is, what is your purpose? Now, I told you that when it comes to purpose, it is God-defined. When it comes to profession, it is the free will that God has given you. That makes you choose whatever profession that you want to choose. Stop deceiving yourself that God said I should become a doctor. <laughs> That's my purpose. No, it's your profession. Hallelujah. It's your profession. There are some few cases where you know, a person's profession and a person's purpose coincide. Few cases. But in most cases, there are distinct. You have to find both. Hallelujah. Stop giving an excuse that hey, God said I should be a doctor. So that is what I'm going to be. There is something higher. Hallelujah. So purpose is God-defined. Profession is self-defined. Purpose is eternal. Profession is transient and temporal. Purpose will give you reward in heaven. Profession will give you reward on earth. <laughs> what you eat and drink for creature comfort. Hallelujah. Good. Now, what has all these things got to do with service? I'm coming there. So, when it comes to service, it becomes critical then that... Now, let me just say one last thing about purpose. That your purpose... We we'll, we'll read some scriptures. Your purpose, whatever form your purpose is, it achieves two things. Okay, one. Whatever your purpose is. I'm making life very simple for you. When you go back, think on these things. Your purpose is to, one, link people back to God. And two, make life comfortable for the people around you. That is it. I said end. I didn't say or. <laughs> then I said, oh me, I'll go and buy food for people. I'll, just, I'll get a lot of money. Then I'll deliver. But whatever you're doing, is it linking the people back to God? So it is end. That means that you have to do whatever you are doing. Okay? It has to link people back to God. And okay, provide comfort for the people in your space. That is your purpose. So I want you to, today, when you go back, look in your life, examine yourself and see, what can I do so that, you know, aside the profession that I'm following, my purpose, what can I do so that I'll bring people, reconcile people back to God, and then also, of course, make life comfortable for people. That is it. You would disagree with this if you don't believe in God. <laughs> if you believe in God, then you believe in the Bible, then you understand that there is a great commission which we must all fulfill. That is the general purpose for everyone. Hallelujah. Then, service is very important because, you know, God, then being the creator, expects some form of service from us in wherever he places us in. So when God brings you to B block, okay, don't just say, yeah, I paid for my accommodation. 
and gets there. There is a purpose for you over there. If God brings you to this church, there's a purpose for you over here. If God takes wherever God takes you in, me that that's how I see it. Okay, that, that's how I see it. So when I went to Achimoto School, I knew that I was there for a purpose. And I've defined what purpose is. Link people back to God and make people's lives comfortable. If it is, is in terms of the academics, I'll do that. You get if it is in terms of money, I'll do that. Okay, when God brought me here, I knew I'm, there's a purpose. So I'm 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 pursuing my professional right, but I'm actively also Fulfilling my, my purpose, I've defined purpose, link people to God, make life comfortable for people. So it is these theories that I know that is influencing the things I do. And then this comes to the first statement that I made I made that your concepts of God determines the things you do, your works. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Great. So the question then becomes how can a physical being, as we are, serve an invisible spiritual and even a self-sufficient God? What, what can you do to serve God? Really, let's analyze it. Do you think God needs anything from you? <laughs> Hallelujah. God doesn't need anything from you. Your money. Oh, no. God doesn't need anything from you. So the one statement I'm going to make is that your service to God is seen in your service to men. That is it. So, I always try to make things very simple. So when it comes to serving God, there are two forms of it. Okay, the first form is, I've told you, that is service to men. Then the second service to God is worship. That is it. That is it. God doesn't lose anything if you, deserve, if you decide not to serve Him. God doesn't lose anything if you decide not to fulfill your purpose. He doesn't lose anything. Those who lose are first. You yourself, you lose. And secondly, the people that are around you, that, that God sent you to. I, I told you that you came here to solve a problem. So if you are not fulfilling your purpose, the people will suffer. And you yourself, you suffer. But nothing happens to God. Hallelujah. I want you to understand that. So let me give you an example. Let's say that, let's say, God has brought sets in my life, okay, to be supplying me with shirts. <laughs> he always buys me shirts. Hallelujah. Oh, you can do better. Please. Someone is buying you shirts. Someone say, oh, me, I'll buy you Fletcher, you can do. I'll buy you shoes for the rest of your life. This, this can be a purpose. <laughs> Anyways, hallelujah. Let's move on. So, let's say that, let's say that, you know, maybe God has made you rich. And the reason why God is going to give you a lot of money here, so that you can help the people in your village. Then now, you got the money. You are chilling and you are wasting it. Hey, you see that the people that God has called you to, to help, they'll be struggling. Then you are here chilling. Hmm? That someone is struggling because of it. Let's say that maybe God has brought you to Kolebu to help people with their academics. Hmm? And you are here, you are selfish. You are only learning in the reading room for yourself. People are, people are suffering. So you, your unwillingness to, to serve okay, leads to people struggling. Let's say God has brought you to this church to become an usher. Then you come here and you are not doing it. The church is suffering because of your unwillingness to serve. If you understand this, wherever you go, you have to understand that I am here for a purpose. It's because of me that this thing must work. Do you get it? That should be your mindset too. And I would end by you know, talking about the advantages of serving. Amen. Let's go to Romans 12. We don't have much time. Romans 12. And I'm going to read Romans. Let's read Let's read. I think that's what I'll, I'll emphasize on then. We will analyze the parable of the talents and I'll end. Let's move to Romans 12. Of course, um, <clears throat> okay. You know, I, I've taught the book of Romans, so this is one of my fields. So, Paul begins by saying, after talking about Romans chapter 1, all the way to chapter 11, is doctrinal. He's talking about doctrines. Romans chapter 1 to chapter 3 talks about the concept of sin. In chapter 1, he says that the world has sinned. Chapter 2, he says that the, Jew, the Jewish people have sinned. In chapter 3, he came to a conclusion that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then he begins in chapter 4 by introducing us to the solution of sin, which is justification by faith. He says that being justified by faith with God. Right? Then in chapter 5, we continue to talk about justification 
6, 7, you know, Romans chapter 8, he introduces us to one of the benefits of being saved, which is the Holy Spirit. So Romans chapter 8 is just talking about the Holy Spirit. Then we come to Romans chapter 9, 10, 11, which is talking about Israel. Romans chapter 9 talks about the past of Israel. Romans chapter 10 talks about the presence of Israel. Romans chapter 11 talks about the future of Israel. And that brings us to chapter 12. So in chapter 12, he's now coming to shift from doctrines into duty. Now the things that you are supposed to do. I have told you that you were sinners. I have told you that God has saved you. And so what? That is what 12 is saying. So he begins by saying that, I beg you, I beseech you. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He said that, you, just look at God's mercies. Eh? Look at God's mercy. Look at what God has done for you. Just based on that, I am begging you. I beseech you by the mercy of God. Why, why is Paul begging them? Why is Paul begging them? That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of act of service. So the first I've told that one of the there are two main things when you talk about service to God. One is service to mankind, and second is worship. And we see it over here. Your reasonable act of service to God is your worship, which is you being a living sacrifice. What is a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice, you know, those days, when they put the animals on the altar, they kill them before they burn them. That is a dead sacrifice. This time, a living sacrifice is like Isaac. Eh? You now, you are going to the altar yourself. You now, you are lying on it. You now, you pour the kerosene on yourself. Hey, can you do that? And you burn yourself. And you are not dying. <laughs> you feel the pain. P-E-W-T, right? <laughs> feel it. God is saying that service to him eh, is a sacrifice. Let me tell you, sacrifice is always at the expense of self-comfort. If you want to be comfortable in life, eh, you will never serve God. The reason why most people are not serving God, the reason why most people are not serving mankind is because of self-comfort. The reason why you don't pray in the morning, comfort. The reason why you don't read your Bible in the morning, comfort. Is anyone here called comfort? Or anyone, if your mother, if anyone has a mother called comfort or something. Okay, comfort, right? So you, you want comfort. So you, you're not safe. You don't want to come and set up. You want what? Comfort. You don't want to come for prayer meeting. You want what? Comfort. So God is saying that your reasonable acts of service towards Him is you being a living sacrifice. Living a, a living sacrifice. That you are a sacrificial person. Like you now, people know that you will sacrifice. This person said you will sacrifice. Like you come here and like you know that's a living sacrifice. Your whole life is a sacrifice. That's your reasonable act of service. So, he then goes on to tell us some of the things that God expects us to do. Okay? Time will, not give, uh, time will fail us for us to go through all of them. Okay? But, but, but we, we would understand that we understand that um, Roma, that time when I came, I, we talked about 1 Corinthians 12, which, which is the gift of the Spirit, right? You remember that? Then, when you go to Romans 12, you see 12, 12. Romans 12 is the gift of the Father, which is purposes. We read some of them. I'm going to read some of them for you. Then you look through and then pick one of them and let it be your purpose. Uh, pray that it coincides with what God wants you to do. Anyways. Then in Ephesians chapter 4, we see the gift of the Son. Okay, the gift of the Son. He said he gave some prophets, apostles, evangelists. Those are the gifts of Jesus Christ, the Son. The gift of the Spirit. The nine ones we see in, in 1 Corinthians 12. And here we see the gift of the Father. So he sees, he, I mean, you can go to verse 6. Okay, you see that some of you can prophesy. Some of, verse 7, ministry. Still on verse 7, teaching. So there are some of me, I know that I'm a teacher. So I'm doing it. Do you get it? Okay, some of you, ministry. Ministry means service, like you just serve people. Okay, like you are just, you minister to people. Verse 8, you know, exaltation. Then there are some people that give. You know, you have a lot of money. God expects you to give. This is what is called living sacrifice. Okay? And then, you know, encouragement. That, that's exaltation. Encouragement. All these things are there. So in the body of Christ, you should find at least one of these things. You should look in your life and say, at least I'm doing one of these. Either I'm giving or I'm just encouraging. Eh? You come into uh, 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 Mama said, no. Challenge, we can do it, okay? Just, just that way. You know, you know me, I like doing that. I just come and tell you that even if I see that you're failing the exams, I say, oh, you can do it. <laughs> you started it. Do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
and that was what Barnabas, you know Barnabas, Paul's friend Barnabas. The name of Barnabas means son of encourager. What he did was that those days when they went, you know, Paul and Barnabas, when they went there and they lashed them, which is 10 Corinthians 11. Paul will tell you all the things that they, they went through. They lashed them. Then you know what Barnabas would do? He'd be encouraging them. <laughs> that, that was his, his, his assignment. He's called the son of encourager. Hallelujah. So all these things are things that we, we can do to serve in the house of the Lord. I told you, not only in the house of the Lord, wherever you find yourself. If you're in the medical school, know that you are there for a purpose. Find it and do it. If you're in ICGC, there's a purpose. You don't just come and sit here and then go. Find it and do it. Wherever you are in your house, there's a purpose. Find it and do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Good. So then you realize that Romans 12 will end by talking about love. Then you say that now he's going to summarize the act of service to men. So that don't owe any man anything except what? Love. Okay. Then he, he also talks about other things as well. Don't owe anything. I just uh, accept to, to love. Okay. That is, so Romans 12 and Romans 13 talks about love. Now, let's go to Ephesians 1.15 as I end. Ephesians 1.15. Ephesians 1.15. Is anyone there? How does it even begin? He said, Wherefore, when I saw your faith towards God and your love for the uh, um, brethren or brothers or whatever, full stop. So you see, when I saw, you are going to draw an axis. The vertical axis is your faith towards God. Hmm? Your faith towards God. And I have explained that your faith towards God is always seen in your love for the brethren. So the word, when, when you are reading the KJV, the word end, okay, it is not only a conjunction, but sometimes it is um, giving further or it is explaining further. So what he's trying to say that, so we can use the word even. So what, is, what he's trying to say that, wherefore, when I saw your faith towards God, even your love for the brethren. Another way of saying it is, wherefore, when I saw your faith towards God, which is your love for the brethren. Let me tell you, your faith towards God is seen in your love for people. That is it. That is, you see, that, that's what I'm trying to say the whole day. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay? That your spirituality is seen in love. That's where Christian is. Hallelujah. Okay, now, let's go to the story of the prodigal son. Did I say prodigal son? It's supposed to be prodigal sons. Or lost sons. Because both were lost. One was lost outside of his father's house. One was lost in his father's house. (laughs) Why? This brings then the difference between a son and a servant. You see, we are all sons of God, daughters of God, children of God, right? And we enjoy it. Okay? That is your identity. Usually, your identity comes with privileges. So, God, help me pass my exam. God, give me money. God will answer your prayers because you are his child, right? But then, don't forget that you are not only a child of God, but you are also a servant of God. So, we look at the two, the two sons, right? One was in his father's house working, working, working as a servant. The other one also decided to only look at his identity as a son and take his father's goods and run away to go and enjoy, right? Not serving in his father's house. So one was only a servant, but he had not laid hold on his, you know, identity as a son. The other one laid hold on his identity as a son and didn't want to save. So they were all lost. One was lost in the father's house. The other one was lost outside the father's house. And you should understand that as Christians, we are both sons and servants. So as you are enjoying, you want God to do something for you. Every day, God, God, God. You see, in your relationship with God, you analyze it too. How much of it has been based on what God can do for you? It's supposed to be 50-50. Your prayers, 
Is it only about, hey, God, give me this, God, give me this, or God, what can I do for you? When you are praying, God, hey, is there any problem? Do you pray this kind of prayers? God, is there any problem that you want me to solve? <laughs> Those are my prayers. Then always, I have, you know, a lot of messages. Right, come and do this. Right, do this. Right. And, oh, it obeys me. Right? What are your prayers? Only what, what God, 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 do this for me. God, do this for me. You are both a son and a servant. Let me tell you something. Son, I have told you that being a son of God hmm, gives you things on earth. It gives you your inheritance on earth. But if you are a servant of God, your rewards in heaven. Your rewards in heaven. Hallelujah. Um, this is the last thing I want to say. So then, the concept of son and servant okay, would come together in the person of Jesus. He was the son of God. But yet he was also what? A servant of God. Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. So he put upon himself the form of a servant. The form of a servant. Jesus demonstrated this to his disciples. He knew that his disciples were arrogant and that when he leaves, they would just be talking about power, power, who is this, who is that. So he taught them that Yahweh was saved. So he took the towel and he wiped their feet. Imagine God. Goodness. Do you know who we are talking about? You see? The greatest of all is the servant of all. I'm telling you. The reason why God is the greatest is because God is the one who saves everybody. He saves everybody. He's saving you. He's saving you. He's saving, he's saving everybody. So how many people you serve gives us an idea of how great you are and your influence. Hallelujah. So you have to serve. You see, find, do, whatever, do something. Do you get it? Get something. Say, hey, immediately I came to this school alone and I'm in my small corner. I want to finish and pass and go. <laughs> Forget, forgetting that God brought you here for a purpose. Remember that. I want you to remember that wherever you go, you are there for a purpose. The purpose is to link people to God and make people's lives comfortable. Full stop. Ask yourself that. You are in NMTC. What am I doing to achieve this purpose? You are here, ICGC. What am I doing to, to achieve this? You are in medicals to B block, D block, all the blocks. What am I doing to achieve this purpose? That, this is life. You see, I've just exposed you to life. This is life. This is life. And this is how I think. So, that is me. Hallelujah. Now, let's go back and end with the parable of the talents. Now, there are just five things that I want you to know from that parable. We are not going to read again. One, the first thing I want you to know is that there is a master. Hallelujah. We have analyzed that as there being a creator. The second thing I want you to know from that parable is that he has gone to a far place. If Jesus will come, hmm. <laughs> it's been 2,000 years. He will come. Hallelujah. He will come. So he has gone to a far place. Verse 3. He gave them the talents according to their abilities. You see, if I look at Seth, right, I know the things that Seth does. A lot of things. Do you know why? God has given him that because God knows him according to his ability. God knows me according to my ability. So he has given me a lot of things to do. Right? I told you that when God looks at your purpose, he then wires you and gives you the grace and the ability to do. So someone, someone like, hey, bright, I want to be like you. And I said, if you, if you attempt it, you will die. And they will bury you. <laughs> right? Because I've been wired in a certain way to do certain things. Do you get it? You too, do what God has asked you to do. Do you get it? Learn, learn the principles from me. Okay? And apply it to help you fulfill your purpose. So it's according to your abilities. That's why he gave someone five. You see, imagine that if he had given the one that the guy that received one, if he had given that person five, he wouldn't have made the tenth, the how do you call it, the other five. Do you get it? So he gave them the, the talents according to their ability. That's why he gave the other person one. Now this guy is lazy. I know him, but I know you. I'll give you one just to test it. It's not that I, I know you, so I'll give you one. You see, God knows every one of us here. God knows. God knows. He knows us. You have to understand that God knows us. 
Hallelujah. And whatever God is going to give you. And some of you, you are praying, Hey God, let me be influential. Let me, you know, EYO, we say, making a purposeful global impact. You want to make a global impact. How many of us want to make global impact? And this one is the dream of every young person. If you don't lift your hand, you are lying. Right? But you see, it comes through service. Hallelujah. So, he gave them the gifts according to their several abilities. Now, he told the servant, that wicked servant, the one that received one, why did he call him wicked? And I've already explained that he, God, that, I mean, the master is calling the guy wicked because he didn't use his gift. So, people are struggling. God has brought you here to help them. And you being wicked, you are sitting on your talent because of self-comfort. You are wicked. Hallelujah. Imagine that God wants you to be the person that will discover the, the, the vaccine for, or a cure for HIV is. Eh? And you are in school, you are not learning. <laughs> Wickedness. Hey. <laughs> hey. If you understand this, you will learn. I'm telling you. You will learn. Do you, are you getting this? Wickedness. You are sitting on your side. Some of you are, you are shocked. Hey. Like you are... I don't even want to talk about it. Hey, you are too, I don't know, you are too intelligent for my liking this one. Hallelujah. You are all shocked. You are intelligent. Okay? There is something that you can do with it. Sit down, as I've told you, prepare yourself, warm yourself up, and let your intellect also help other people. It's not when you talk about ministry, it's not, I've told you, that it's not only about God, 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 God. It's also about men. So you do the God aspect, and you also do your service to mankind. Can you imagine? Uh, do you know how many people ma- malaria killed? A lot. But you see that someone sat down and the person brought the anti-malaria agents. Do you know how many people malaria has? You know, the, the drugs have, I mean, have killed. So can you imagine that this person, eh, that God gave the wisdom and intelligence to develop that drug. If you was watching UEFA Champions League. <laughs> so y- y- you understand the concept of the wickedness. That, that is how wicked the person is. So if God has given you a purpose and you are sitting on it, there are some of you that maybe God wants you to start an orphanage. Beautiful vision. Beautiful purpose. Beautiful. And in the orphan, you teach them the ways of the Lord. At least you are, you are fulfilling the truth. You are linking them to God and you are making their lives comfortable. And you are here thinking about your, <laughs> your husband and, and your children. Hey! Your purpose is far beyond that. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you know, the last thing that I would say. Now, let me, let me even, you know, I'm ending. I have 10 minutes more. Let's look at Jonah. Now, this time, I'm, I'm not looking at Jonah. I'm looking at the sailors in the ship that Jonah was in. These people were, they were scared. You know, if you look at that sea, hmm, you know, it takes scared sailors to actually sail on that sea. So, these people were scared. You know, they had learned oceanography and all that. So, they knew. By this time, this kind of storm that was coming, they didn't eat. Which kind of storm is this? They've tried everything, it wasn't working. Do you know why? Because someone had abandoned his purpose. And that is also, I'm linking to the wickedness. That, see the, the wickedness. Someone abandoned his purpose. Look at how it affected the people in the ship. They have to even throw valuable things away. This is what happens when you decide not to fulfill your purpose. So ultimately, you will see that one of the most important things to do in this life is to pray that God, let me find my purpose. Wherever I find myself. Hallelujah. Now, let me end with this. How many times have I said, let me end with this? Okay. There is a day of reckoning. You see, we see God as love, right? Oh, God is love. Gentle Jesus, right? Me came out, right? A day is coming that the lamb is coming as what? A lion. <laughs> See his face there. Eh? Oh, God is love. But God is also just. Okay? Told the, See what, what you told the guy? Throw him into the outer darkness. It's weeping and national teeth. The outer darkness, you know, there are various but It's not hell. It's a place in heaven. Which is far, 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 far away from God. And then you regret even going there. And some people say, oh, but the thief on the cross was saved, right? 
you know where he's going. <laughs> you know where he's going. It's not like you occupy the same place as Paul was occupying. <laughs> so some people say, hey, me there, I'll live my life in this. I want to for me to die. I'll accept the test of my Lord. Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, you know, the fact is that you wouldn't even know when you die. I mean, you know, you know, one day I was having a discussion with my, with, with one of my friends. You know, how, how you would die. Hey, do you have such discussions with your friends? Oh, you don't have such, oh, do you want to die from a cancer? But eventually, someone, like, something will kill you, you get it. <laughs> ha! Amen. Now, let me end with this. This is it, let me end with this, let me end with this. Problems with service. Why do people don't want to serve? One, it's because of the attitude of the people that you have been sent to serve. That was why Jonah didn't want to go. I heard these people challenge their wicked. Hey, if I tell the kind of people that God has sent me to win, hey, you know, one day, one day, someone disrespected me. I was like, hey, like in my head, does this person know who I am? Hey! Then I started telling myself my accomplishments. <laughs> Charlie, arrogance. Right? But you see, if you, if you, if you consider that, you will never help people. I'm telling you. Your service to people should be because it is God. That's what I'm saying. It's your concept of God. That's what you are doing. It's not because of the people's attitude or how they receive the service. Are you getting it? So don't come here and say because of, hey, uh, because of what Prezi has done, me, I'll not do this thing again. Ha! Don't allow any human being eh, to make you abort your purpose. The second reason why people don't serve is because if you are going to, be, if you are going to serve, eh, God is going to break you. Do you get it? You know, usually when I'm teaching this, the typical example I use is when Jesus was multiplying the, the bread. You see, if you want to have a global impact, you break you several times. If I have bread like this, if I break it once, I can only serve two people, right? But if now I want to serve everybody in Kolebu, what am I going to do? I'll break it and break it and break it and break it. Then now you are tired. Look at all the people that are really working on Kolebu. Look at stuff like this. He's always tired. Look at Andy. Always tired. You see people... People that are really serving on the land. Hmm? God is breaking them. But you see, if God doesn't break you, then you cannot make that purposeful global impact. You want to feed thousand people. You want to become a global asset. Then this selfish attitude will not take you far. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then I've said it, but let me just repeat it. That when it comes to purpose, it's beyond your feelings. It's beyond your feelings. One thing that purpose brings, let's rise up. I'm done. One thing that purpose brings, or seven brings, is it brings respect. It brings respect. You go to a place and people respect you. Do you know why? Because you, you really sacrifice for them. In your families, if you are, I mean, the, the men over here, you are going to be fathers soon, right? Or there are some Roman fathers. You want to be a Roman father or you want to be a father? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But you see, if you want respect, eh, your children must see that you are really serving. You are working. Because it is your service towards your children that brings respect. If not, if you are not serving them well, they are not going to respect you. And you try to intimidate them to gain that respect. Hallelujah. So, if you want pure respect, undiluted, concentrated respect in wherever you find yourself, what do you have to do? You have to say it, that people will respect you. Hallelujah. They will respect you because they have seen your labor. They have seen how you have worked. Amen. Hallelujah. The message has ended. The message has ended. And if there is anything that, let me just summarize everything that I've said so far. That how you conceptualize God will determine how you live your life. If your concept of God is that He's the creator, then you know he, he has given you a purpose. So wherever you find yourself, it becomes your passion, your zeal to achieve that purpose. And the purpose ultimately is linking people back to God and making life comfortable for people. Imagine this nation, if you, have, if you were all thinking like this, 
If the politicians were thinking like this, goodness, goodness. That is why in a nation that puts the fear of God away, there is always calamity. Because once you put the fear of God away, selfishness and greed comes in, and you begin to abuse whatever power that they have given unto you. You want to pray? You see, your life is not an experiment. Hmm? It's one. You are not like the Colibono boys who have three lives. <laughs> They live anyhow like they have three lives. You have only one life. You cannot fail. Do you get it? You cannot disappoint God. You cannot. You don't want to be the one that you appear before God and God will say that I gave you the talent. What did you do with it? In heaven, when you stand before God, you can't give an answer. I'm telling you, you can never give an answer to God. <laughs> what, what answer are you going to say? Hey God, I was in medical school. I was busy. Huh? Then God will show you someone who was also in the medical school and the person was seven. And the Bible says, so therefore, no one is with an excuse. I want you to pray that God show me my talents. God show me my purpose. Show me in the name of Jesus. This should be that your prayer for the rest of your life. That God will open your eyes to know the reason why, first of all, you came into this world. The reason why He has put you in the places that He has. Why are you in ICGC? Why did God bring you here? Why are you in your hostel? Why did God put you there? Why are you in the medical school? Why did God put you there? I want to hear someone praying. In the name of Jesus. Hey, Jesus said, Look, I come in the volumes of the book that is written to do thy will, O God. Hey, Talabasa Katayada. Ah, Jesus told Mary that wish you not that I be about my father's business. This was someone who knew that he had a purpose. John the Baptist said that I have come to make the way. Hey, the highway. Hey, the way of the Lord. There is a reason why you are alive. There is a purpose for your life. God brought you here for an assignment. God brought you here for an agenda. The agenda is before you were even born. The agenda precedes and antedates your conception. It is an eternal purpose. God is depending on you. God is trusting you. Hey, Kalabashata. He is partnering you to solve a problem, to bring joy to people, to solve people's needs. That is why you are alive. There is a purpose. There is a higher call. There is a heavenly call. God has brought you here, Masha Kalaba, to fulfill an assignment. Hey, Kalalala. We cannot afford to disappoint God in our generation. We will not disappoint God in our generation. We will pick up our own cross. In the name of Jesus, we will pick up our cross. It is uncomfortable. He said, Kalaba, I beseech you therefore that ye present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy unto the Lord. Rakata, for this is your reasonable act of service. He said, For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good will. God is opening your eyes to see your assignment, your purpose on earth, to serve wherever you find yourself, that you'll be fruitful in your service to God, you'll be fruitful in your service to mankind, in the name of Jesus, for your service is beyond your comfort, your service is beyond your, your comfort. I want you to sing the song if you can. On to thee I surrender I free Oh